everyone, this is Jason Probst, that guy in Hutch, and you're listening to that podcast in Hutch. Today I have uh, somebody with me who's a, a number of things. He's a State Board of Education member, and he is directing the upcoming performance of Arsenic and Old Lace at Family Community Theater. Welcome, Ben Jones. It's great to be here, Jason. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So Arsenic and Old Lace is a pretty well-known play uh, that... People, you know, high schools put it on. People kind of cut their teeth on this. Tell everyone what this play is about. So it's purely a comedy. Uh, most people will be familiar with it from its uh, movie starring Cary Grant. Uh, and I, I forget the year that it was made, probably in the 50s. Uh, uh, so probably just don't have the year off the top of my head, but it was a very popular movie when it came out. And it, and it was originally written as a stage play. Uh, and the house is modeled after a house on the Bethel College campus in North Newton. So there are local Kansas ties to the show. It's written by Joseph Kisselring, who spent time at Bethel uh, College as well. Um, and uh, But it's it's purely a comedy. It's about two old ladies uh, that have this house in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and they, uh, as a sign of mercy... Uh, give uh, some of their guests who they deem old and, and without loved ones uh, some uh, wine laced with many poisons. Uh, more than just arsenic, but arsenic's the biggest uh, ingredient, hence what the arsenic and old lace comes from. And uh, Assorted Adventures comes from that as it comes to light to other family members that were not aware of these two ladies' charities, so to speak. Now, you're you're directing this performance. Correct. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how you got into theater, why you got into theater, and specifically how you got into directing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a long story. Uh, but uh, so back in high school, I attended Sterling High School. Um, I was involved in all of the arts programs, band, choir, uh, and theater. I did not go on stage until my junior year of high school. Theater was the last love I took on. I did primarily music before then. What'd uh, you play? Uh, my primary instrument is voice, okay. and then then I played clarinet. As years have gone on, I've delved into piano as my secondary and percussion as my as my third. And clarinet, I haven't played for probably three or four years now. Okay. Um, but then I did clarinet um, and and voice primarily, and uh, because of the voice. And Sterling has a vocal jazz program that they still have uh, that's very strong today. Um, Part of being vocal jazz is you're in the musical, and that was when we started doing musicals again after a, a long hiatus of really not doing them in the high school. Uh, so my very first show was called Babes in Arms, Rogers and Hart, okay. and uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. It has favorite songs like My Funny Valentine comes from that show, Johnny One Note, some familiar standards. Um, so I, I was on stage, but I usually helped do box office or backstage work, handle lights and stuff for plays. Uh, went to college my first year, was not really doing anything musically, um, or any performance arts, really. My first year of college was going into uh, another field that after about a year realized that was not the field <laughs> for me and, um, came back to Hutch Juco and picked up music again. And, and that's been part of my life ever since strongly, uh, after your hiatus. And while I was at Hutch Juco, they, uh, the direct, the, the chair, uh, Bill Brewer at the time came up to me and said, we're looking at doing Chicago and I need you in the show for Amos Hart. 
I will tell you, you have the role of Ava's heart for auditions. Um, because I need a Hachichuko student in there. That's a boost of confidence. Yeah, it? Uh, it is. Especially since uh, the year before, I did do the musical honk uh, with them. and um, But I was just in the chorus. Okay. Uh, or, uh, and I was Barnacles. Okay. Bullfrog. So I did have a solo spot. Um, a, a cameo, that's what they call it. Role. <laughs> uh, but I was generally in the chorus for that, uh, for that show. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I gave up a trip to New York with Badenage, which is the premier group, mm-hmm. to to do this. I figured, you know, it's local. How often do you get to play a musical lead and, and a great role like Amos? Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, it's a very iconic role. Uh, so I I don't regret it. That's the first time I've done theater and it clicked. Um, it, it was, it's still, after all these years, and I've done probably 45 shows since then, at least 40. I know I'm on 48. I can't remember where we're in Chicago <laughs> it laid, but... Um, you know, uh, it, it clicked and it, it it made sense to me why we do theater. And ever since then, it's delved into music directing, which I got involved with, uh, with my music background, because that is what I studied in college was music, not yeah. so much theater. But I did music theater because uh, they always need the voices. Sure. Um, and uh, now it's delved into to directing. And there was a show that came about about... F- I saw Sterling High School did a show called The Amish Project, and it's about the 2006 Nickel Mines shooting in Pennsylvania where it was on Amish Schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. And it was was huge news, uh, not only for school shootings, which always make the news, but also um, how the community responded, because it wasn't a typical response uh, to that. And being from this area of Kansas, where we have a lot of Mennonite heritage, especially something similar to to the Amish uh, heritage of, of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, uh, just south of here. I was very familiar with that storyline, and it felt like it was a really good representation of this. So I brought it to the board at Family Community Theater, which I, I do sit on, and they said, well, if we do the show, we want you to direct it. We want somebody who will do the show justice. Mm-hmm. And and it, But it was a stretch for FCT to do, because typically they do very – Family-oriented shows, very lighthearted, nothing extremely deep. And this show was very deep yeah. and, and very difficult. Uh, it's, it's a very hard one for audiences to applaud to at the end mm-hmm. because it just ends. It ends with a good sign of hope, but it's, it's a very sentimental hope. Uh, and it's very emotional uh, for the audiences as well as the cast. Um, and, and that just that hooked me to being the director. And being a director... When you're in the show, you're focused on one character and one character only, and you're just deeming out that when you're the director, you're going to meet a whole family of characters mm-hmm. and work on that character development with everybody in your cast, one-on-one, and then as a group. And as you develop a show, you get to see these characters mold and develop, and you develop as a director a relationship with those characters. I know they're fictional, but when you see somebody playing them, they become real life. And if they become real life to you as a director, to the audience, they will be as real as day. Uh, to them. So it's it's a real treat to direct shows and, and get to meet all these people. Whereas when you're in the show, you only pretty much deal with your own character to that level. Now, it, I, I want to expand on that a little bit mm-hmm. because I've done uh, a little bit of theater, done some acting and done some script writing, but never done any directing. But so tell me how that looks. I mean, you like you said, you have to see the entire stage. You have to see all the interaction between the characters like kind of what do you look for? Or what are you seeing as a director from that maybe 30,000 foot view? 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's having a good script. Um, that that's key is pick is, is having a show that actually has depth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, versus something that's not well-written, which it makes it harder. So, uh, so shows like Amish project, very well-written Diary Van Frank, very well-written. Yeah. Uh, and this show, Arsenic and Old Lace, the reason it's lasted so long is because it's very well-written. Um, so that's, that's the first step. And then finding and through auditions, actors that buy into how you're going to do the show. My, my big push is to have characters that are very believable. My shows, that's why I choose the shows I do mm-hmm. uh, in terms of directing is I like, I, I don't necessarily like the superficial fun, happy shows to direct. I like being in them. I like watching them. Audiences love them. Directing. It's, it's not my style. I like the deeper shows um, for that. And then working with a wonderful team of, of people. And I have a wonderful production team. I have a wonderful assistant, Haley, uh, who is, I call her my babysitter because <laughs> uh, she takes the notes. She keeps me on schedule. She communicates with the cast. Uh, she's involved in a lot of the decisions with me. Uh, she's my right hand person. Uh, she's there pretty much at everything, um, which has been great feedback. I have a wonderful set designer that when I tell him this is, this is what I need. I need this environment set. And he spends hundreds of hours. And I can say that he spent all of Labor Day weekend at the theater building the set the entire weekend in the theater, pretty much from eight o'clock till 10 o'clock, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, except for on Labor Day itself, because I came in there with rehearsal that evening, so he couldn't work that evening. But um, And it, he just does a phenomenal job just piecing together the pieces I need. And we talk about the sets for probably three months before we ever, ever come up with an actual physical model of a set. Because when the people walk into to the Flag Theater, which does not have a curtain, the people walk in and see the set as they come into the show, into the theater space. Uh, and so it's important to set the tone of the show as people walk in. And that starts with a set. So to develop that that sense of what the audience is about to be involved when they walk in is very important. Um, and then all the props, making sure they're accurate in costumes. I have wonderful people working on that as well. They have spent a lot of hours getting set together. We're still working on it. Uh, Still now, uh, we're starting to incorporate a lot of props into the show now. Uh, so the props mistress is, she's been really busy, yeah. uh, as of late. So it, it's involving yourself with a lot of team, but it, it's all about the audience and making them feel that they're part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're not just seeing a whole bunch of people on stage reciting lines, but they're actually ingrained and they're watching something that, that takes them away from their troubles for three hours or two and a half hours, however long the show is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, as an audience member, when you go to a performance, it, it is, you get to go in, you sit down, you enjoy yourself for two hours or three hours or however long the performance lasts. But from the moment a board decides which shows they're going to put on for that season, all the way through the final production, there there are so many steps that, that like you said, the director, the props, the set builder, costume months of practice all those things going on you you kind of talked about that but you're doing this with in in a community theater in a family community theater so it's really oriented towards children and families all volunteers all amateur actors and and performers can you talk about uh, that a little bit and how that 
experience is? Yeah. Uh, the beauty of community theater is that the people that are in your production are the people that you also see at Dylan's or Aldi's or wherever you grocery shop, Walmart, I guess. Um, I live in Sterling, so Dylan's is my is my store. I have one grocery store to choose from, but um, and so it has that that wonderful. And they have a passion for theater. They don't get paid to do it. It's out of their goodness and just their absolute love of performing that you get to see it. And so you get to use that passion that they already have and direct it uh, into that. And and with our younger actors, now this show doesn't have any kids in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a show meant for families to attend. So part of the family community theater isn't necessarily that we have a cast full of kids like we did in July with Frozen Junior, yeah. which was great and had great turnout. And it was a very fun night for everybody involved. This show is meant for you to bring your kids with you, have a family evening, uh, family friendly uh, experience where you can laugh together as a family and, and just enjoy time uh, getting quality entertainment with something that's very important to us. And that's, and, and that's being with your family, whoever that may be, uh, working with locals, uh, is, a is a wonderful experience. You build community inside the town that you live in. And that's what gives your town something to live for and something to strive for. And it's a good sign of the vibrancy of the town that you live in. Have you ever worked with anyone who it's their first time acting? Yep. They never did it. And they maybe are a little nervous and uncomfortable. How do you work with someone like that? Or how do you get them over that? I guess diary, I worked with all experienced people, but Amish project, I work with some brand new people on stage. Uh, and, and for this show, I'm working with somebody brand new. So it's getting them used to stage direction, orienting them around the theater and just basic operations. But it's letting them know that it's okay to fail at rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It's okay to bomb at a rehearsal. And this is, I want you to bomb at rehearsal, not at a performance. Yeah. And that's a good time. And so it's just sitting them down from the get-go and saying, I wouldn't cast you if I didn't think you could do this. And that's true. If I cast you in a show and I and we put you in that role, I expect you to succeed in that role. And I think you can succeed. I totally believe. And, and that's where you have to start. You as the director have to believe that they can fulfill the role. And then you pour all that belief in you and you just say, you don't, for lack of a better term, I haven't really put it to words, but it's just like failure is, I want you to fail at rehearsals and try things. But the minute we start really solidifying it, you've tried everything that doesn't work. Yeah. And, and now you found something that does work. And I want you to build upon that success and, and you have it and you're the round seasoned veterans. Uh, some of them are very, have a lot of stage experience. Some of them went to school for theater um, and so you surround them with good people. So they have models next to them. Okay. Uh, but you always say, this is a safe space. It's okay to fail in this space. Uh, we're here to build you up. I will tell you, uh, trust me. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very plain spoken, uh, especially my notes. I'm like, that's not working. Fix it. Yeah. Um, and, and they do. Well, that's an important thing. I think what I remember from my limited acting experiences there is a good deal of experimentation that goes on and you really rely on the director to say that was exactly what I want or you thought that worked, but it just doesn't work the way you think it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that safe space, especially at a community theater level. Now I want to kind of create an intersection here between Mm -hmm. different roles you play in real life. Um, You're directing a, a play. Um, you've acted, you've been heavily involved in theater, but you're also on the state board of education and, uh, talk to me about kind of what, what, what do 
people in particular students get out of some of these things like theater, music, band, um, things that I think traditionally we don't look at as having uh, a tangible economic benefit in the normal parlance of things. Uh, totally. Uh, and I can go uh, two routes with this. Um, so I'll start with the academic route. Um, when you ask employers, and and we just completed a 50-stop success tour, uh, the department did, uh, Commissioner Watson, and one of them stops were, was here in Hudge. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately had a prior commitment, so I couldn't be here, but... I was uh, able to make that one. It uh, was great. I'm glad. I, I've made several of them. I just didn't make the one here in Hudge. Uh, but... Um, yeah. We look at some of the needs that industry, and they always say, you know, what's the what's the question that employees always ask? And it's always about time management, perseverance, uh, creativity, all that stuff that those arts give you. Because as an artist, your very first time you ever try something, you will fail at it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a 100% failure rate the first time <laughs> you try something. Uh, whether it's the first time uh, you try to... Uh, learn a piece and then you sight read it and you're like, I don't know this one very often. Well, um, and you either have a choice, either you dig in and learn it or you just walk away from it. And, and most of the time you, you dig in and you look at it and you get better. And the more experience you get, the better you get. Uh, and you start to challenge yourself with bigger pieces and realize, Oh, maybe I can't do, uh, uh, you know, the, um, uh, Nessun Dorma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yet, I don't have Pavarotti's voice. Uh, but maybe I could do this and uh, and singing, for example. So there's just a high rate of failure in, in the arts, whether it's visual or the performing arts. First time you try something, you will fail, but you just keep attacking. You keep practicing. You spend time in the practice room working on these these runs. When you, when you play clarinet, which I never was quite that good at... Um, <laughs> You know, you work on these passages where you have these flowing 16th notes and it's not always a B flat major scale. Sometimes it's an augmented uh, uh, scale or a modal scale. Mm-hmm. So it's just different fingering. So then you have to sit there and slow it way down and then gradually get to the tempo you need to be. Uh, and so in terms of that and where we're going for kids and, and success, it's about perseverance. It's about going through the difficulties. And we have a lot of kids that go through school that they get all A's in their classes. Mm-hmm. Then they hit college and discover that there's nobody on them about, you have to be here at this time, here at this time, here at this time. They have to do it themselves to do that. Yeah, It's all about that time management. And then realize that sometimes you hit that, uh, uh, There's I always hear students go, I didn't go to K-State, but I heard about K-State biology, mm-hmm. where that's, that's a very difficult course to get through. And they said, that's a weed-out course. There's 100 kids in that class in every section, and it's a hard it's a hard one to pass. And, and you know, just sit down like, oh, I'm not getting this. What do I need to do to get this? Uh, first time you get a B in your life and you totally, totally shut down. <laughs> uh, uh, but being involved in the arts teaches you that. It also teaches you creativity. And there's a science behind it. Um, uh, and uh, being in the music world, I'm more apt to that science than mm-hmm. some of the other ones. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of connections that go between the left and right side of the brain when you do those things. And those connections, that gives you the logical thought side, but as well as the creative ambiguous side and this is where they get to meet and, and create things uh together so it builds those synapses which is important to to employability later 
And I think I did read somewhere a while back that there are some strong similarities between music and math, mm-hmm. right? To be able, like you said, you it's all fractions in music, right? It's whole note, half note, mm-hmm. quarter note, sixteenth, eighth note, sixteenth note. As you were talking, I was thinking about my experience playing saxophone in, in high school and, and middle school and thought there, there's some problem solving in here too, which you were talking about slowing the music down. It's not a matter of just you have to adapt and you have to figure out how to solve the problem, how to master it. And then, like you said, push through and move on. I think, I think that's very good. Now you mentioned there might be another route you could take and talk about this. Yeah. So the economical mm-hmm. uh, benefit and, and what I always tell people is say, well, why should I, you know, do theater and all the money that we spend on theater goes to businesses in this community. Mm-hmm. So all of our expenses, all the wood is bought here, all the paint is bought here fabric we buy as close because we need it as soon as we can so we buy as close to home as we can pretty much the only money that goes out of the state or even in this region is the rights to the show yeah which typically go to new york or chicago whoever owns the rights to the show that's the only money that leaves the community in terms of the show so i always say if you want to drive an economy spend money at your local theater because all that stuff goes back into your businesses uh downtown um and music same thing. We used to have a, a robust music store. They've since retired mm-hmm. uh, at Johnson's Music, and I spent way too much money at that store. <laughs> um, but that money was reinvested back in this community, and we still have Keller's Music, which repairs instruments, and all that money stays here. It stays local, and it betters our lives. I always say, you know, the engineers help make the world work and gives us a, a what, but the arts gives us a why and a reflection of ourselves. It's what gives us the quality of life. Um, and we need both in order to continue going. I think that's important because uh, if you took a town like Hutch and you took the theater and the music and the art out of it and said, we're not going to have any of that, it would be a pretty dull and bland place to live, right? We Having those things add, I mean, aside from, like you said, the economic benefit, the academic benefits, there's sort of a... Uh, there's a more maybe spiritual aspect of that, that it provides just this depth and richness to your community to have things like that to do, to go to, to have people involved in. Um, and I, I think there's data to support that too, that communities that have these things tend to do a little better, right? Oh yeah. They attract families. They, well, when families look for a place to live, they see what activities can I get my kids in? Yeah. And the arts is, is, is always a good place to go. Uh, there's always the athletic side as well, which teach some of the same things. Uh, my brother did sports. I was the arts. My brother was the sports. And I said, I'm still doing my stuff. Yeah. He's not doing his stuff and he's six years younger than I am. Yeah. Um, and, and so I said, you know, investing in the arts, doing both is great. And I would encourage people to do both, uh, when they're younger. Um, but, uh, for me, sports was not my thing. I had, I enjoy watching them. No desire to ever do them. Yeah. Um, but I get to do my arts and I see people in their eighties doing the arts. I went to a concert, Tony Bennett about five years ago at the Stiefel oh, yeah. theater. He was around, it was right before his 90th birthday. He was 89 at the time, still performing. Um, so it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong commitment, but it's a lifelong joy and uh, abilities to continue on throughout life to do art. Now you talk about You talk about Tony Bennett. You talked about your own experience. There is something about, performing or and in particular theater that it it does get in your blood oh, yeah. i mean it really gets in there why, why do you think that is 
because people that I know that do it, they, they don't stop being involved. They don't want to stop being involved. It's not like very few people that I know go in and they do one show and they back back out and they're never involved in it again. Uh, I think for everybody, it's a little bit different. Uh, for me, it was always about meeting new people and I know they're fictional, but it was really meeting new people. Uh, people that aren't like you. And I'm always intrigued by people that think differently than me, uh, have different interests. I'm always intrigued by that as to why, why, what's important, why is what's important to them important to them? Yeah. And, and what in their story uh, makes it happen, which uh, intersects with everything else I do too. When people talk to me, I'm like, okay, why, why do you think that way? Um, but uh, some of it is just the challenge of it. It's a craft where you don't know if you've ever hit perfection. And it's always that strive for perfection, but do you ever really get there? Yeah. And I very rarely get there. Um, I could count on three times that I've experienced that feeling, and it's euphoric. Yeah. I can't, I, there's no words to describe it, just euphoric. When that happens, it didn't happen very often. Uh, four times. I just remember it all four times. And, and all the hundreds of concerts I've done, uh, 48 stage productions, four times I've just said that was an absolutely perfect. That was perfect. Yeah. Um, and so it's that strive to get that that high, so to speak. And I think you talk about that artists are largely their own worst critics, right? They look <laughs> at what they've done and they say, oh, I blew it. And few people in the audience even know, oh, yeah. right? But to them, to themselves, they're saying, oh, I blew it. It was awful. Everybody knew how awful I was. And it's just a interesting, I mean, I've, I've known a lot of artists over the years and they're all pretty, pretty hard on themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless of their craft, uh, their artist craft. Um, definitely I was around an individual. I have no talent in visual arts, not, I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's more, it's over challenging for me. Stick people are uh, and they're even bad uh, in my world but i was uh, around a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and they were we were playing games but they were also drawing something on the side and to me it was really it was really detailed and really odd. and they were just doing it with a pencil yeah and it was uh, eight different shades of uh, uh, of you know the lead color mm -hmm. uh, of gray and and um and it was all just one i was like how do you how do you know how much pressure how much I don't even get that. And it, to me, it was just amazing. Uh, and they're like, oh, this is junk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? I I hear you. I've seen that before, too. It, in anything, music, theater, art, I look and I'm just like, I'm blown away by the talent. And they're like, oh, that was awful. I can't believe I, I, I crumple this up and throw it in the trash can and hope that nobody ever sees that again. Yeah, definitely. And I... I just think it's this pursuit of um, something internal and you're always trying to look for it. Um, and as an artist, you're always trying to chase it and um, which you find it, which occasionally you do. And it's absolutely euphoric. And that keeps you coming back for more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, tell us when the show arsenic and old lace will be playing at the flag theater. Yes. We open October 7th. Uh, we go through October 10th. The show starts at seven thirty. Uh, on October 7th, 8th, and 9th, uh, Thursday through Saturday, and then a matinee at 3 o'clock on the 10th. Uh, tickets are available at the door. You can buy or purchase them online or at our outlets at Bookends or Absolutely Home. 
uh, in downtown Hutchinson or on Main Street uh, in Hutchinson. Um, and doors open 30 minutes before showtime. And uh, we love to have great audiences there. Theaters at 310 North Main. Uh, and you're you're going to laugh a lot. I'm laughing. Uh, we finished blocking the show last night. So now we're, tonight we're going to start running the show in its entirety. And I'm laughing at things that I've seen already 10, 15, 20 times, uh, which is a good sign. Very good sign. So make sure you take the time to check this out and remember what an important part of our community theater is, and in particular, the family community theater. Thanks, Ben, for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a moment and say we're having a lot of fun doing this podcast and I'm really, every week I'm just excited with the people that I get to visit with um, and I hope you're enjoying it too and if you are, it's really important that we get more people to listen to this podcast uh, to make it sustainable. Um, as much as I like doing it, it's going to be hard to keep going if we don't have as many listeners as we'd like. Um, there are some simple things you can do. If you like it, first off, tell your friends about it. Make sure you share it with people. Talk to them. Say you've got to listen to this and you'll find it interesting and, and get the word out about it. Another thing you can always do is like it, uh, subscribe, and rate it on your player like iTunes or Spotify. Uh, just anything you can do to kind of indicate to other people that this is something worth listening to. Another thing you can do is subscribe to my newsletter, which is that guy in Hutch substack.com. There's a free option, but there's a paid option on there. When you subscribe on the paid option, you're helping both my newsletter and the podcast continue. Anything you can do to help on this end to make sure we spread this out, get more people listening, we'd really appreciate it because I want to keep doing it. I want to keep bringing interesting people from our community and our state in for you to, to visit with. So if you are in town this weekend and you say there's nothing to do, you are not trying very hard because this is one of the biggest weekends uh, of the year in Hutchinson. We have a lot of things going on. I'm only going to hit on a couple of them here because they're the bigger ones. But on Friday from 6 to 8, October 1st, the Hutchinson Art Center will have its auction preview reception. This is open and free to the public, and it's a chance for you to look at the art that will be available later in the month at the Hutchinson Art Center auction. Again, that's 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday, October 1st. And then downtown this weekend on October 1st and 2nd will be the downtown Hutchinson Rod Run. And that, if you haven't been, it's a real treat and you need to go. They will have cars lined up and down the street. They have bands throughout the day, through the night. They have a burnout. They have, and this year we'll have the Hutch Brewfest. So you'll be able to tuck into the, to another area and have uh, some really good craft beer that's going to be brought in. We're going to have uh, craft brewers from all over the state. The Rod Run is always a great time, and uh, it's a great way to, to spend some time downtown and enjoy uh, a hobby that, that a lot of people put a lot of love and a lot of effort into. And if you come down for that, I know you won't be disappointed. If you have an event that you want highlighted on that podcast in Hutch or you want to let me know about it so I can talk to, to others about it, uh, don't hesitate at all to let me know. Our contact information is in the show notes. I'd like to thank a few of the people who have helped make that podcast in Hutch possible. 
My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast in Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast in Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyinhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyinhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Assault City Sound Production.